This is Maurice LaMarche, and you're listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast, a podcast that I, the brain, will use to help me take over the world. Yes! But now they get to do it on Twitter and on Facebook and on their blog and God knows where else they can do it. You know, and that's the difference. It's okay. I've always looked at any any form of comic, but this is when they write their reviews or something like that. And, and yeah, I, I do read the reviews, but uh, it doesn't really affect me because I look at each review. It's, if you get a really, really negative review, to my way of thinking, it's just, well, the guy's just saying that's not the way I'd have done it. Yeah. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the GBB Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the GBB Podcast. And right now we are in your headphones or on your car stereos all over, all over the world. I hope your windows are down and you're blaring us and like the people next to you at the red light think you're crazy. When they hear Hi, guy it, with a cooler car than you. Right. Well, no, and they, they're listening and people in the other kind of like, man, I wonder what that is he's listening to, you know? <laughs> yeah, doubtful. That guy's a dreamy voice that's talking right now. <laughs> so we have another fantastic interview. Every week is a fantastic interview, but... It really is. It really is. I mean, come on. Who gets to talk to people like this and bring it to the world? Lots of people, but us too. But us, we're the most important ones. (laughs) Yes. And this week we are talking to a writing team who are legends in the comic industry. Jamie, they've they've been favorites of yours for a while. Yeah. um, You've clicked, so you know who it is. But it's J.M. DeMattis and Keith Giffen. Um, And if you know your DC superheroes, you probably know these guys. Um, they, They have written for... Just about every superhero imaginable. Uh, they sort of came to prominence as a writing team in the 80s. They worked on Justice League International, which turned into Justice League Europe, and they kind of developed what has come to be known the Bwahaha brand of humor. Um, they, you know, they took these offbeat C-list superheroes um, and they made them fun and they made them funny. And it was like poking, it was very, very self-referential and poking fun at itself and um snarky humor and that just wasn't happening back at that time I mean, the 80s was sort of like now where everything is grim and dark right. and gritty and it's got to be super serious um and so this was like a breath of fresh air and it was like a shining a light on these characters that like hey you know comics can be fun um but over the years they i mean they've done a lot together and separately uh you know Dem- jam dematis has written you know one of the seminal spider-man stories craven's last hunt um, he, they, they worked together on Justice League 3000, Justice League 3001. Um, Keith Giffen cre- created Lobo. We didn't even talk about that in our interview, but he created the character of Lobo. Dematis wrote some of my favorite books ever, Moonshadow, Brooklyn Dreams, Stardust Kid. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, they've just basically torn through the DC catalog they've written for almost everybody. 
Um, and that's really literally just scratching the surface. They've been writing for more, oh, geez, almost 40 years they've been in the industry writing. So they, um, they've got quite the backlist of books to, to tear through. If you like what they've done, then there's not a shortage of books for you to read. They're just and they're and they're just super nice guys. We should uh, mention probably Justin though that <clears throat> you'll notice halfway through this interview that um, Keith tends to dominate, and that's because um, <laughs> Mark J M Dematis dropped off. He had somewhere to go, so he he bows out, and then uh, we carry on with Keith for a little while. But it's not you know he just didn't have not have anything to say. It's just he actually Keith wasn't, wasn't just on cutting the call him off. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just wasn't on the call anymore. That's why you don't hear from. Him. But he is um, he is one of my all time favorite writers in comic industry and graphic novels. So we're going to definitely have him back on the show to talk a little bit deeper into into what he's been doing and what he's done. Hey, you know what? Anyone that can take on Scooby Doo and do Scooby Doo, they're a okay in my book. So oh yeah, I didn't even talk about that, right? That's why we had him on the show. <laughs> well, they're gonna find out. So we're gonna they are gonna find out. Scooby Apocalypse, <laughs> yes. their new book. We are going to play that interview for you right now. Enjoy. Um, first of all, thank you guys so much for taking the time to chat. Um, it's an absolute pleasure. You guys, um, you probably hear this a lot, but you guys are legends and it's just, it's been just an absolute treat to be reading your stuff over the years. So it's great to have you on and talk to you today. Oh my God. Am I going to die? I know. I hope not. No. When they call you a legend, it means they don't want to give you work anymore. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He's a legend. He's a legend. We don't have to hire him. He's a legend. He's a legend. But when fans call you legends, it's okay because we don't control what we're doing. Right. It's different with the fans. That's right. That's right. Uh, I I can accept that then. (laughs) Let's start, obviously, with Scooby Apocalypse because that's what you've got going on right now. Um, Before we really dive into it, though, I have to ask when you were first approached about this, I guess you can call it a reimagining. Um, was your first impression of it the same as many fans? Was it just like a big, huh? Uh, no, not, not really. I'm, I'm used to DC calling up and, and, and throwing different names at me that I don't expect. I mean, I've been through Magog, uh, uh, the Justice League 3000. So I'm kind of used to DC, uh, um, approaching me about these odd little projects. I kind of prefer them. But, when, well, when when Jim called me, he uh, 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 well, actually Dan called me and asked me if I'd be interested in it. And Jim called me and uh, ran over some of his ideas. And, and the basic idea was, uh, um, let's take all the things that have been touched upon in Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo cartoons always end with yanking off the mask. Oh, you damn kids, or whatever. Uh, he said, let's make the monsters real. Let's bring about the uh, 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 the apocalypse. That was pretty much it in a nutshell. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jim and I went back and forth and just uh, uh, flew some ideas around. And uh, then they brought Mark in, and I did the issue. It was really a pretty simple, uh, it was a pretty simple um, uh, pull together. It was not that much of a problem. Yeah. So even though that these are established and really well-known characters that we've all, you know, kind of grown up with, you were able to completely reinvent them for this book, which is not something that you're normally able to do as a writer when you take on books like this. So was that was that challenging or was that liberating for you? Liberating. Yeah. I, I, def, definitely liberating because uh, you know, when you're starting from scratch and, and you're dealing with the characters, yes, there are certain things about the characters that you uh, want to make sure you get in there. You don't want to uh, um, alienate 
the old Scooby-Doo fans, you want to let them know they're just taking a different ta- uh, a different take on the characters. So, um, well, uh, I really, I really didn't see this that much uh, as that much of a problem. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't uh, think they're they're that in some ways. You know, the premise is very different, and you know the characters are reacting differently within the context of the premise. But I still think Velma's fundamentally Velma, and Fred is fundamentally Fred, and Shaggy's fundamentally Shaggy. They're just in a different context and sort of approach from another angle. And I think even, you know, if you look at the Scooby cartoons over the years, from what I've, I've, I've learned, there have been different interpretations there over the years, too, and then the live-action versions. And look at, mm-hmm. you know, look at Superman or Batman and Wonder Woman and how many different interpretations, and yet at their core they remain who they are. You put mm-hmm. them in different contexts and different, different time periods, whatever it is. But the core of the characters, I think, are the same. Uh, and I have to admit, there was a certain comfort level on my part in knowing that once I was done with the plot, it was going to Mark, and Mark was working on the Scooby-Doo show, so he had a basic idea of what was going on in the cartoon, so uh, it wouldn't pull too far afield. Right. So, but you, so your book, and then there's the other titles that are, you know, Future Quest, Wacky Raceland. It seems that DC is really totally committing themselves to this alternative view of these Hanna-Barbera characters. Um, you know, coming off of the the core DC superheroes, is this a fun world to be working in? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, we've got Scooby-Doo, we've got Scooby-Doo <laughs> and the crew there, we've got all the monsters, and that's it. We don't have to worry about, uh, oh, we're going to do something in Chicago yeah. and get a call from an editor going, yeah, don't do anything too crazy in Chicago, we need it next week. <laughs> we're kind of alone in this whole on this whole world, and it's, it's really liberating. It's very much in a lot of ways what we did with Justice League 3000 and 3001. That was our own universe, and we could screw with continuity any way that we wanted because it, it existed in its own separate universe. And here, you know, it's our characters, and that's it. There's no, you know, Batman's not going to show up, and you know, Wacky Raceland's not going to show up. Any, well, if it is, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, it's very much our universe to build, so there's a lot of freedom to play there. Yeah, I've been pretty open about the fact that if, if we're doing Scooby-Doo and down the line, they go, oh, we're going to cross over with the Flintstones, <laughs> then my take on it is, oh, good, we get that issue off. <laughs> so I think I think the real question everybody's asking is, are we going to see Scrappy-Doo in these comics? Absolutely. Oh, really? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You've actually already seen him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We just haven't identified them yet. Uh-oh. Just because they don't name them doesn't mean they're not there. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, for those who don't know, what really is the difference between written by and scripted by when it comes to comics? Well, Keith uh, Mark does the work. <laughs> no, see, in my, in my point of view, Keith does the work. So there, that's how it will work. We need to think we're riding on the other's coattails. You know, <laughs> you know, you know Keith... Keith is the guy that sits there and, and built, he builds the plot, you know, and I, I don't care how brilliant I may be on any given day or, or not brilliant, without that plot to stand on, I'm, uh, you know, I'm standing in an empty lot, you know, so I, I always give Keith so much credit because he's got to face the empty page and create the plot. And then I'm given a wide, wide berth to play with that through dialogue and characterization in the scripting stage. So Keith will do the plot, uh, I will, and he, he actually draws his plots out. Um, so they're like little beautiful little mini comic books. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I will often script directly from his plot so that Howard has everything. He's got the plot, he's got the dialogue, he's got everything. 
And so I build on what Keith does. I add things in through dialogue and characterization. People often see what I've done and go, oh, that's cool. Let's build on that. And the next thing I've always said it's like a game of tennis. We kind of hit the ball back and forth, and the story builds that way. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was going to bring up the old tennis thing that every so often Mark will write something as a throwaway gag, and then I'll just grind it into the ground in future plots. Hmm. So uh, it is, it's, 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 it's teamwork. It's, it's the perfect kind of teamwork where I don't think either one of us has the kind of ego that we're insisting to be done our way. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there, you know, I can, I can take things that Keith has in his plot and twist them 20 different ways and he's fine with it and vice versa. You know, we may talk about, Hey, here's what's coming up in the next plot. And then he goes and he does the plot and he changes it completely. And that's fine with me. Cause the fun of what we've done, I've always said is, that there's always a quality of spontaneity to it. There's always like, he's always surprising me and I'm surprising him. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's fresh after whatever it is, 5,000 years that we've been doing this. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious to know what your take is on, you know, the current state of fandom, I guess, for lack of a better term. We hear this a lot. We hear that fans have just become so entitled over the years, um, especially recently. And I'm wondering as creators, do you feel like fans have unreasonable expectations for you or do you just feel like they're, they, they, they love the characters that they love and they want to see them done right? I just think that the fans are the one, they, they paid the price of admission. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're entitled to their opinions. If they want to voice their opinions, that's fine. Um, I can't really, I can't really say at any time that any any reaction by the fans has directly affected the way I've approached the book. Um, you know, I'm hired to do a specific job and I try to do it to the best of my ability. Uh, of course I like the fans all go, Oh, it's wonderful. It's great. It's fantastic. But that, that's not always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, thick skin, I guess, I guess the answer to that is I have a pretty thick skin about yeah. it. And you know, no matter what you're doing and what, what art form, whether you're writing a novel or making a movie or, make, or playing in the band, a bunch of people are going to like what you do, and a bunch of people aren't. That's just the way it works. And in terms of fans being more vocal, I don't think they're any more vocal because uh, you know I think fans, by the nature of being fans, and and you know we started as fans, and in a lot of ways we still are fans. We're we're all opinionated assholes in a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> yeah. difference in how and I mean that in an affectionate way, and I apply it to myself as well, you know. Um, but the difference now is that in the world of the internet, everybody's got an opinion and a voice and a yeah. way to be heard. So that's, yeah. I don't think I don't think the the strong opinions of fans have changed in the least. I think it's always been this way. And I remember sitting around with my with my friends complaining about this writer or that artist or whatever. And I could do this so much better than that guy. Yeah. Whatever the deal was, well, everybody does that. But now they get to do it on Twitter and on Facebook and on their blog and God knows where else they can do it. You know, and that's the difference. Yeah, that, and, and that's it's okay. Right. I, 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 yeah, it's okay. But, I've always looked at any any form of comic, but this is when they write their reviews or something like that. And and yeah, I I do read the reviews, but uh, it doesn't really affect me because I look at each review. It's, if you get a really really negative review, to my way of thinking, it's just well, the guy's just saying that's not the way I'd have done it. Yeah, but does and, that? Uh, I mean, I, I pass on from there. You talk about how the internet gives every fan a you know every fan with an opinion a, a mouthpiece. I mean, does that frustrate you though? That as a storyteller, sometimes you're not even allowed to finish the story that you're telling before people just rush to judgment. I mean, before I mean, when Scooby Apocalypse was first announced, obviously, I mean, you you must know. I mean, it created all sorts of waves. Like, who are these characters? Why are they reinventing them? And that was before anybody read a single panel, and you didn't even have a chance to to make your case. But that's that's. That's the key to it. 
Yeah. You know, when they announce the project, they can come out and scream and yell and flail around all they want. They can make up things they think we're going to do or try to extrapolate uh, uh, from what they've read from the press releases. But ultimately, it comes down to the issue comes out. That's what we did. Yeah. Now you're dealing with it. So yeah, if, if, I, I, if I'm going to take over the Flintstones, let's say, and they go, oh, he'll destroy Fred. Let's wait until <laughs> the first issue and find out. Yeah. And it's not just comics. I mean, you know, I, I always joke about people now don't even, don't even react to movie trailers. They react to the 30-second teaser trailer exactly. that's teasing the actual trailer, and then people <laughs> go ballistic over 30 seconds. Um, yep. It's just the nature of our culture right now. And, um, you know, for us, really, I think once I sit down to work, once Keith sits down to work, you're engaged with the story, and you're not thinking about anything else. It's the, char- the characters lead us where they want to go. Uh, and you have to follow that. Now, occasionally, though, I have to say, it can be very valuable. We had a little dust up with Justice League 3000 uh, with uh, the Guy Gardner being perceived as a transsexual character and, and some people that were offended by something, well, by a, a, a joke in one issue. And I ended up getting into a dialogue with some people on Twitter that was extraordinarily helpful, extraordinarily helpful. And I really enjoyed it. And I actually found it enlightening, you know. So there's an upside to all that, too. And it actually was very helpful for me in the way that I approached the story from that point forward. So, you know, the, the, the downside is, yeah, everybody's got an opinion and people scream about things that are not worth screaming about. And the upside is you really get to communicate with the people that are reading the book. And it can be a very, very valuable thing. Sure. And, and that's why I like to work with Mark. Because Mark responds to like, I, I basically read it and I go, is that what I did? No, it's not what I did. I ignore it and I move on. Yeah. I think Mark is more the, Mark is more the uh, 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 he'll, he'll communicate with the people and stuff like that. I just tend to, to shut it down. Well, That's the way I, I am. I wanted to ask about that. I, I mentioned at the top and we joked about it, but the two of you have really become something of a legendary team working together. Um, but what is it about your partnership, do you think, that just works so well? The fact that we rarely see each other. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, <laughs> the fact that we live miles and miles. From, no, I, I really, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I really think it has a lot to do with the fact that neither one of us comes into it with an ego. Uh, I don't come into it with my plot is precious. Mark better not mess it up. I don't. I don't think I've ever called Mark and gone, "You screwed up a plot. What'd you mm. do?" It's it's no. not done. Uh, we, we. I don't know. It's like we we did it on Justice League. And then uh, just JLI. And then after JLI, we went, God, Mark, how long did we go without working? We went 10 years without working together and then yeah. got back together for I Can't Believe It's Not the Justice League. And we all kind of went, oh, wait a minute. This is fun. We never realized that we were doing it back then. We were just, it was just a gig, and it was a good gig, but we were just working, and then we didn't work together for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb went off, and we realized what a good thing this is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about the Justice League, and that's, Probably, even though it was it was you know several years ago now, it's probably what you guys together are still most well known for is working on those you know Justice League International and Justice League Europe those books. Um, mm-hmm. the, the thing that is st- not so much startling, but what's remarkable about those books is that they were fun and they weren't afraid to be lighthearted. Um, you know, people read them and they were reminded that superheroes can be silly and it's okay to laugh at these books. Um, is that something that we've forgotten nowadays? Uh, 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 I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm going to say yes. I, I think that people just are too precious with their characters. Um, 
I don't think you get away with doing Batman the way we did Batman in Justice League uh, now. I, I, I just, I don't know if it's the, uh, uh, the fans are just feeling more possessive or, or the zeitgeist out there is for the, uh, uh, the more serious characters that, that make a certain kind of sense to the readers. But, um, yeah, it's like, uh, I really don't think we could do our Justice League right now. In, in the current, that's not a bad. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, you know. I mean, uh, uh, you, you, like I said, you pay your money, you get your opinion, and and that's ultimately what rules this business. But I, I don't think we could do our Justice League right now. I, I just don't think the tone is right. Hmm. Do you do you think that we'll see? I mean, we've seen a lot of ups and downs, and I'm sure you guys have seen more than your fair share of ups and downs in the in the industry since you've started working. But do you think that? I mean, can you see a time when we'll turn that corner and it will come back and be, it's okay to have fun again? The industry, yeah, it's, it's, the industry it's, is like every other industry. It's always trending. Yeah. And yeah. eventually, I suppose, it'll trend back. It's cyclical. And I'm sure if you look at the broad uh, base of comics out there from all the companies, you'll probably find a whole bunch of books that, that have humor and a, and a lighthearted sense to them, you know? Um, it may not be concentrated in the superhero universes so much, but, you know, you'll find a Justice League 3000 and you'll find a Squirrel Girl at Marvel, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's, always, there's always someone trying to, uh, doing that. And I, and I think ultimately, you know, your stories want to have a balance. Always, people always talk about our Justice League like it was just one big comedy, but we always try to balance that with action and with very, very serious moments because that's what always works so well to go from the, the hysterical big laugh to the big shock on the next page, you know, we, we, we always keep that in mind. Um, so it's always a balance. That's one of the fun things about Scooby to bring it back to Scooby. And then unfortunately I have to run, but you can keep talking to keep, um, is that there's a serious, it's a serious horror book on one hand. It absolutely is a serious horror book, but it's also done with a, with a great sense of humor as well. So, and the, the humor is character based, which is what we do. So you, you get to have the laughs, and the scares. We're not mocking or playing with the horror aspects of it and playing that for fun. That's dead serious. At the same time, the characters don't have to be dead serious while they're going through it. And I think that's always a good balance to have. Yeah. Um, Keith, I, I know you, both of you, you've been working in the industry, you know, since the seventies. So you've been around the block a few times. You've been around, mm-hmm. you've seen changes. Um, but I'm just, how, in what way do you think is the most major way that the industry has just changed in that time between when you started and, and today? Oof. I don't, I don't see a lot of major changes yeah. uh, uh, in the industry. Uh, the smaller ones, the, uh, of course, when, when the characters start hitting film and becoming uh, multimedia sensations, uh, it limits the amount that you can do with them, which is normally why uh, uh, if I take on a book, I'd rather take on Blue Beetle than Batman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character is still a comic book character. There's, there's not a multi-million dollar empire behind him. Right. Um, but no, I, I, it's, yeah. it's I don't see that big a difference. I really yeah. don't see that big a difference somehow uh, uh, um the characters, at least in, in, in comics, were approached from when I first started to now. Mm-hmm. Like I say, that the, the main characters Superman, Batman, Justice League, you have to be a bit more careful with. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I mentioned earlier, I don't think we could get away with doing our Justice League right now, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, because there's a Justice League movie um, um, coming out. But for characters like Blue Beetle or or uh, what Magog, which we did, mm-hmm. uh, even for, even for Scooby Doo. 
there's um, we're, we're still approaching it the same way. Yeah, uh, there's not that there's not that big a difference. The industry hasn't changed all that much. It may seem that way, but it really hasn't. So you've both, or you've both, and you have written uh, for just about every superhero imaginable. Are there any you haven't written for, but you'd love to get your hands on it? Well, I still got my great unfulfilled comic book ambition. Sure, <laughs> sure. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm not working for that company. Oh no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, now, but, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, out of all out of all the characters that I've done, and I feel like I think I have touched a, a, a base with most of the characters. But I guess um, I think I'm a lovely at the DC for this. My great unfulfilled comic book ambition is probably Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's not that's not going to happen. So uh, I'll focus on Scooby Doo and, and the DC books. Yeah. But <laughs> that that brings us right back to uh, fans jumping to conclusions and and basically you know already judging a story before it's been finished though. From what the, the kerfuffle that just what happened over Captain America, we won't talk about that. But it happens everywhere, you know, unfortunately, and fans. Well, I, will be I, fans. Unfortunately, like. Okay. I'm I'm a little bit out out of the loop. I'm not sure of uh, what, what kind of a, a kerfuffle they have about Captain America. To me, Captain America, Steve Rogers, he was yeah. in an iceberg. He thought out. He's yeah. an, he's kind of a walking anachronism. That's the character I'd like to write. If that's not yeah. Captain America anymore, then uh, so be it. Then I'll I'll, I'll, bow, I'll bow out. Okay, that's not the kind of character I want to write. Yeah. You know, a lot of the uh, a lot of desire to write a character comes from uh, what what I read coming up. Yeah. You know, when uh, when I was going to start the Justice League with Mark DeMattis, I was kind of excited about it. I'd been after Andy Helfer for like a year. Every time I went up there going, give me Justice League, give me a shot on Justice League, give me a shot on Justice League. Finally gave me a shot on Justice League. I thought, oh, boy, I'll be able to handle all these classic characters. And he handed me the membership. And I was like, uh, uh, who are these guys? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's like... I, I basically the way it works is DC will call me up and ask me if I'm interested in a character. Um, they'll tell me what they need. That's one thing about Dan Didio that most people don't understand. Everyone thinks he's got this iron hand and he controls DC. And he really doesn't. When he calls up, he'll say, hey, would you be interested in Magog? Mm-hmm. Here's what I need. And they'll tell you what you need out of the character. As long as you give them that then the rest of it's left up to you. I've never had a problem that way. So I, I basically tend to uh, uh, approach the assignments on, well, it sounds childish, but is it fun? Yeah. If it's fun, then, then I'll run with it. If it's not, then, uh, you know, I, I'll pass on. I passed on a few projects because I really thought I either couldn't do a good job on them or my head wasn't in the right place. Yeah. And if it's fun, it's not really work, right? Well, it's always work. <laughs> it's, always, it's always work. Deadlines are not fun. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but the character can be fun. Yeah, I mean, you've again. I don't want to keep harping back to you know how long you've been working, but you you do have a, a lot of experience, and I'm wondering, do you think that it's easier or more difficult today for young talent, you know, to quote unquote break in as a writer than it was when you first started? Hmm. I think I. I think it's about the same. Again, yeah. I really don't see a, a big difference. I know that DC um, has actually been uh, actively seeking out new talent, um, both on the, the penciling and the, the inking and the writing. And uh, uh, they, they're they uh, looking for people who will be interested, who have the talent, and then they'll bring them in. And I guess 
uh, trying to teach them the basics of the business. Uh, when I first broke in, you you learned under the spotlight. Yeah. You know, it, there was no there was no period of um, okay. You know, you work in the class and you work with Jim Lee or whoever, and then we'll bring you up. We'll put you on a book. No, I was thrown on the book. Yeah. And every mistake I made was there for everybody to see. <laughs> so it's uh, I don't no, I, I don't think it's any harder. I, I really think if you can do it, if you show up and you've got a portfolio or you've got work and the storytelling is there and the art is there, then you can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 it sounds uh, it sounds kind of bizarre, but when you look at somebody's portfolio, nine times out of ten, you can tell if they're ready for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, uh, the, 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 the best we can do is if they're not ready for it, is try to give them some advice of what they should work on and then tell them to, you know, and we mean it, tell them to come back and try it again. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not, it's, it's not brain surgery. We're, we're, we're doing comic <laughs> books. There's a certain discipline that's involved right. with doing a comic book. Um, and uh, if, if you, if you can pull it off, you can pull it off. You'll probably get work, you know, and by pulling it off, I mean, uh, you're going to get a deadline. Here, here. Yeah. The best way to illustrate this is you pull together your portfolio. Oh, good. I'm going to get a job in comics. You show it to the comic book editor. He goes, wow, wonderful. He hands you your first script. You go home. You start working on it. But you've had your entire life to pull together that portfolio. <laughs> That's yeah. your entire life. And now you're working you on it. Portfolio. Yeah. You've got, you've got 30 days to do yeah. the next one. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you can get your head past that, then you can survive in this business. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's I, the real I, test, I, right? Yeah, that that is the real test when you get that first thing. And well, you know, when should I have it in? Well, it's not eighteen years. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, you've got you've got like you've got thirty days to do it. <laughs> and uh, uh, if if they're capable of doing it, then unless they are just complete morons, and there have been a few of those I've I've run across. Uh, they will get work. But by, by the way, I love new talent in the industry. I love it when I find new talent, when, when I stumble across it. Uh, I've, I've gone out of my way to help people break into this business who I think are really good in this business. I don't have that. Well, if he's there, I might not get work. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 it, it, you say I've been in the business for a long time, and I think it's a new talent coming in that keeps me fresh. Yeah. Never let me relax. So I like you, it that way. I prefer that. That's that's great. And you've written uh, different formats, including half-hour animation, feature-length animation, or you both have, and novels, but you keep returning to monthly comics. What is it about the comic format that's so compelling? I've, uh, I've mostly done comics. Like, like I said, yeah, you're right. I've played around in animation. I've, I've played around in other uh, 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 things. I don't know. I... I I suppose it has to do with almost the instant gratification. Look, if, if you write a novel, right? Let's, let's do screenplay because I, I, I wrote a couple of screenplays. You write a screenplay, it goes out. Essentially, uh, you're successful, which is really a crapshoot. <laughs> and your script's going to be turned into a movie, and they're going to open up, uh, 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 they're going to start to film, and they're going to pull everything together. That could be years. That could absolutely be years and you probably have to go in and, and rewrite. But with comics, I hand in the plot 
like Mark does his uh, dialogue over the top. About three months later, bang, there it is for everybody to see. So it's almost instant gratification. Mm-hmm. It's comics. Comics is a great place to work if you're impatient. <laughs> So, um, and that's, that's 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 what always appeals to me. Yeah, I I wanted to just ask a couple more questions before we let you go. Um, sure. I, I know you've written um, for a number of different publishers, but right now you you know you've written primarily. You've been writing primarily for DC. Um, and when when it comes to the big characters and the big universes like DC and Marvel, um, how? How wrapped up do you have to be in continuity? I mean, I know you, we mentioned that you guys have been lucky, you know, Justice League 3000 and now Scooby-Doo. You're sort of in your own universe where it's you can do anything you want and you don't have to worry so much. But mm-hmm. those major events and those reboots that, that affect every book in, in, in a publisher's you know, arsenal, are they draining for you as a creator? Or are they like, oh, okay, now we get to start over and we get to tell new stories? I've had both, actually. Yeah. I've, I've had projects I've came up on uh, that uh, involved uh, the entire DC universe um, that were just really, really pleasant, and everything went smooth, and, and I got to tell my story. And then I've, I'm not going to mention any names here, but mm-hmm. and I've had the other side wherein it's just been agony to get through, and uh, uh, I wake up every morning wondering why I took the job. Mm. Um, now, when you say... You mentioned a word there that I, I'm not really fond of, and that's continuity. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I am not a big fan of continuity. Uh, not at all. I, I think continuity kills creativity. Yeah. But I'm a big fan of consistency. If uh, that woman shows up and she's now uh, Kathy Kane and she's got the red hair and uh, she's gay, that's who the character is. Right. Keep it consistent. Tell your stories around that. You don't have to micromanage every single story. That 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 just destroys any kind of creativity the talent might bring to it. Yeah. But if the guy, if the guy writes a story wherein oh she shaves her head and she becomes a punk rock, no, 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 no. There's a consistency <laughs> that goes on with the character. Continuity to me is it just it strangles you. I'm yeah. sorry. I uh, it's like uh, well I, I'm going to use. Uh, um, I'm going to use uh, Batman in this issue. Oh, no, no. Batman will be in uh, Cleveland during that period of time. Yeah. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. If, if you've got a really good story. It should be able to be and told. Yes, you should. Be, you know, but when, I first, when, when, I was, when I was reading comics, before I started in the business, continuity was pretty much the fan's job. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean... The fans would figure out, well, uh, how can Thor fly past Spider-Man and almost knock him off his web when he's over in Asgard? Fight, you know? Yeah. The fans would figure it all out. And I think that it really uh, took a lot out of our business when it became almost like official. We've got we've to watch out where the characters are, and we've got to time them. We've got we to make sure that if Captain America's on an island over here, then he can't be in New York. Or if Batman is in Gotham City, he can't be in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's a good, a good story. It's a good story. Maintain the consistency. Batman is Bruce Wayne, but uh, other than that, you know, just just tell a good story. For God's sake, it's comic yeah. books. Yeah, consistency, you know, not continuity. That's good. I like that. I agree with that. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's why I've always looked at it. Yeah. Um, finally, bringing it back to Scooby, um, what is it 
about I mean you you've got, probably got the story plotted several issues down the line but what what are you most excited for fans to see with with the developments that we're about to see on what book on Scooby Apocalypse uh, on Scooby Apocalypse the, the, well the thing that's got me the most interested is uh, slowly um, uh, unveiling who's behind it all yeah. you know in other words uh, um, who are these these people, this four, or is it five? Uh, how it involved with Selma? What brought this about? And uh, another thing that, that I'm looking forward to is if you look at the Scooby-Doo book, we say, oh, no, there's been a puckles. Everyone's been turned into a monster. Yeah. But if you look around, there are some dead bodies laying around of people that weren't turned into monsters. Uh-huh. And that's another thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into. We're, we're approaching Scooby-Doo the same way we approach uh, uh, any comic book we've been given. There are the short-term stories and then there's the overreaching arc. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't do much more than uh, spell out the story. Yeah. And I, I know what the arc is. I know where we're heading. I know the destination. I just don't know the roads I'm going to take to get there. And that's what makes and it exciting. Can, well, that's that's what I hope. All I can hope is that you know, uh, whatever road I take, enough people want to ride along that road. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've I've what I've had I've had books fail. Let's face it. Uh, but I've never had a book fail wherein uh, I've turned around and gone, "Oh, those goddamn fans—they just don't get it." Yeah. I've always thought, well, okay, you, you missed the ball. You, you fumbled the ball on that one. Mm-hmm. You you didn't uh, either. You didn't communicate it well, or um, you were in a place where fandom wasn't. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, you know, I I, I I just I try to approach it as you know that uh, uh, not everyone's going to love it. I know that not everyone's going to love it. Um, but if you can bring enough people along and if the book survives, then, then you've done your job. That's right. Not every story has uh, to be for every reader. Exactly. Not every story has to be for every reader. Not every book has yeah. to be for every reader. Right. You may, you may love Doom Patrol, but absolutely hate uh, uh, the Justice League. Yeah. That's okay. It's okay because enough people like the Justice League to keep it going. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's so, okay. And it's okay for that book to be out there. You don't need to tear it down just because you don't like it. If somebody else likes it, let that person have it. It's, it yeah, exactly. If if you've got if you've got book A that's selling well and book B that's selling well, why would somebody that loves book B want book A to go away? Exactly. Right. You've got your book. Buy your book. Does it offend you that badly that that book is coming out? Mm-hmm. Well, in, in that in that case, you're not my audience. Yeah, you know, I, I'd like I'd like to think that the, the audience I'm working for um, appreciates the work that's being done, and may, maybe looks at the rest of the line and goes, "Well, that's not my cup of tea. I won't buy it. It's that easy." Yeah, exactly. again, that, that's that's why that's why most uh, uh, the critics um, when they write their criticism of of various books. <laughs> To me, it's just the guy writing, uh, this is not the way I would do it. Yeah. And, and that, but I, that's I, okay. Well, yes, but when you think about it, doesn't all, isn't all criticism that? Yeah, that's all it is. Uh, that's all it is. Yeah, and I can deal with that. Now, 
when it gets this when it gets this weird personal level, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I'm not very fond of that. But even then, uh, I you know, if let me say, if an online review offends me, I've got an off button. Yeah, <laughs> I can find. I, I don't have to go to the site. Yeah, you, you can know, click for away. The most part, yes, for the most part. And I really believe this. I think that the fans that write the reviews are, you know, they're they're doing it for, for they're doing it for whatever reason. But I, I mean, they mean it. They're sincere. They have an opinion they want to express. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's great. Even if their opinion is, uh, I had one fan one time write that uh, they should cut off my hands so I can't draw. And he just saw the movie My Left Foot, so cut off his feet too. Aye. <laughs> And, it, you know, you'd think, oh, that would be something. Oh, Keith would get offended. No, no. I mean, yeah, you can just click away. Money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he paid his money. That's his opinion. If it's going to offend me, I click away. Yeah. I don't have to look right. at it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, um, uh, I kind of, in a weird way, I do kind of, I, I do appreciate the fact that Somebody who's reading something that I'm doing uh, can feel compelled to want to write something about it and put it online. That means whether you love me, you hate me, whatever, at least you're not ambivalent towards me. I yeah. got to mm-hmm. react. You stirred up an so, emotional response. Right. So whether, whether it's a I love Keith review or an I hate Keith review, I won. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I, got, I got a reaction out of you, and exactly. that's what this is all about. That's exactly right. So. Well, I am <clears throat> I'm a big Scooby-Doo fan. I am a big mm-hmm. uh, Keith Giffen fan. I'm a big Giffen and DeMattis fan. So this is checking all the right boxes for me, and I am on board with you guys in this book. So I'm really looking forward to see what's going to come down the pike. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're, we're going to try We're going to try to keep it interesting. And don't forget Howard Porter. No, let's not forget Howard That's right. Howard that's right. <laughs> you know, uh, I've, I've got maybe... Five artists that every single book I've ever worked on or I've been offered, they go, who would you want to draw it on? There are five. I'm not going to go through the names because, uh, 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 you know, there are many <laughs> artists out there. I, I don't you know, I don't want anyone to think I'm taking a, a shot at uh, the other artists. Sure. There are basically five artists that, that I, I name every time, and I'll tell you how it's at the top of that list. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I mean, the book is gorgeous. It's just it's beautiful to flip through, and it's amazing to read. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's a joy. It's 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 a surprising joy because I have to admit that when it was first announced, I think I was probably one of the uh, skeptical ones. I was like, really, this is what they're going to look like now? So uh, yeah, it was it was a pleasure to be corrected. But skepticism's okay. Yeah, skepticism. <laughs> okay. I mean, if DC were to announce, oh yeah, well, we're so and so is taking over and doing an ambush bug book, I have skepticism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'd like to think that I'd wait to see what the guy does before I, exactly. I, I fire mm-hmm. off. And I'll tell you, a lot of these guys, a lot of the people out there who were, oh, no, he's got Scooby-Doo. He'll destroy it. <laughs> they, they, they're, what's what I'm looking for? I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but when they read it and they find out, oh, it wasn't that bad, they'll actually go online. They'll actually, you know, write a review saying, well, I thought this was going to be garbage, but you know what? I was kind of surprised. Yeah. And those those are the reviews that you know are honest, and those are the ones you really appreciate. 
weird, I weirdly appreciate every single review, even the horrifying ones. <laughs> because you know, even the ones where it's just like, it's just, it's horrifying. They hate everything I've done. They just despise it. It's just, it's not going to work. Here's all the reasons I don't think it worked. Because we got a reaction out of them. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds kind of perverse, but I figure my job is always to get a reaction out of them. If you hate the book, I got a reaction out of you. The book won't last very long. I'm, I'm sorry it didn't uh, uh, um, take off or catch your attention. But it, and if you love the book, well, then, then I'm fine. But uh, I think the worst, the worst thing that can ever happen with any kind of comic book or any, any, any movie or TV show or anything you put out there for public consumption is when people just don't react at all. Yeah. You know, uh, I, uh, I really believe that just that kind of, eh, who yeah. cares attitude, that's the worst thing of all. That's the thing I think mm-hmm. bugs me the most. The ambivalence you know? is what kills books. Yeah. Yes. The ambivalence is what kills books, and it also it, it also uh, pretty much kills the drive of the people to do it. So sure. mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'd rather have them mad at me than have them ignore me. Yeah. Words to live by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, words to, words to live by. Yeah, hey, kids. <laughs> you, you too can be Donald Trump. No, okay. Yeah. There oh, you go. went there. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there, there we go. There we but, go. Yeah, look, 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 ultimately, this is a, for all the, you know, uh, uh, the things that have been said. This is a fun business. Yeah. It's a fun business. I mean, I get up in the morning. My commute is 12 yards. Yeah. (laughs) I sit down and you spend the day rattling around in your head uh, with characters that either you you, uh, have an affection for or that through working you gain an affection for. No better job in the world as far as I'm concerned. It's amazing. I love hearing people say that. It never gets Mm -hmm. old. Never gets old. Keith, no, th- never. thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. This has been an absolute pleasure. Scooby Apocalypse, um, it's a great book. I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest when they start when they come out. Um, it's in my pull list. All right, well, thank you very much. Well, that's it for this week on The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Another fantastic week is coming to an end. Oh. Oh, it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. But you know... Too- you know what, though? If this is your first time listening or you've only been listening to a few, go dive back into the catalog. And it's something that I've been wanting to bring up is if you only listen to... I mean, that's great. If you only pick out the ones that you recognize the name or it's something you think that you're just going to be interested in, that's cool. But I challenge you to go back and find something that maybe you don't know if that's something you're into. but And have a listen because we don't just talk about specifics like to the work that they're doing we dive into the creative process and you know what it's like to work in the different industries i think you'll be pleasantly surprised and you may find something that you actually do like that you didn't know that you did that's true it is true and that's you know what 
what I think is um, nice about a show like ours, mm-hmm. you're tooting our own horn here, is that we're not, we don't cover news. You right. know, we're not timely. We're not, you know, talking about the latest breaking big news or big event and whatever it is. Um, you know, most of our shows are very evergreen. You know, right. it's, it's, we may talk about uh, the newest project that a person is working on, but we really do talk about, a, you know, their career and where they're coming from and where they're going to. So, um, Almost every one of our episodes can be listened to at any point. There's nothing timely really about them. Exactly. So thank you guys so much for clicking download or streaming, however you're getting this in your ears right now. Um, it means so much to us. Make sure you hit that big, I guess there's not a red subscribe. I'm used to saying that on YouTube, that big red subscribe <laughs> button. If there is one, pretend it's there and hit subscribe. <laughs> however you listen to us, there's probably a subscribe button. Yes, so just exactly. Do that. Exactly. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Take care. Oh, I'm getting a warning that my... uh... This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.